Okay, so we've already established texting is probably the best way to connect with candidates, right? Plus, next stats show 73% of professionals are open to receiving job opportunities via text. And with a 99% delivery rate, you cannot go wrong. Those are two big reasons why you gotta love text to hire from next. That's right, text to hire from next with the double X not the triple X. Next has over 8 million candidates who have opted in to receive jobs via text, and you and your clients need qualified candidates. Next can help you find and target qualified candidates who have opted in for job opportunities via text. And in today's competitive market, you need an edge to reach qualified candidates faster. You need text to hire from Next. Just go to chadcheese.com and click on the next logo to learn more about how you can gain a competitive edge with opt-in texting. Text to hire from Next. It just makes sense. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Ch -ch 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 check it. Woo! We just we just can't get away from the Canadians. Can't. That's all I'm saying. Can't. Guys, special show today. We have Ryan Gill, co-founder of Communo, co-founder of The Gathering. Yeah. The number one marketing conference in the world. Yep. According to multiple reputable sources. According to Chad Sowash, that's for damn sure. Reputable, yeah. Uh, Ryan, welcome to the show, man. It's a, it's an honor to have you on. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, I'm pumped for this. Let's get into it. Yeah. It is technically your second appearance, although the first appearance, we were all a little bit inebriated, I guess you could say. So hopefully you, you remember the first interview. You guys were, I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> I was yeah. being nice. <laughs> Just for, again, for it, for the audience, uh, for listeners, you know, we met Ryan at the gathering last year and just blown away by what was going on. And then we learned about Communo, which is a marketplace. And Joel and I are totally geeked out. We love marketplaces. Um, we're seeing a lot going on out there. And we thought, hell, let's bring Ryan on. Uh, he's the co-founder, CEO, co-founder of Communo. Have an expert who's in this every day and talk about marketplaces, gig economy, uh, the now, the tomorrow, kind of the evolution. So that's that's kind of the setup. By the way, the only thing we love more than marketplaces is Ryan Gill. So how appropriate <laughs> that he's on the show today. Hey, that, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> so a few of our listeners know who you are. So give us a, a brief on on what you do and, and what sort of gives you, you know, energy. And then we'll go into Camino because a lot of our audience uh, has never heard of Camino, but they probably should. Yeah, really the the Coles Notes version is, I think from a, a high level for those that want to get to know me, uh, just as a human, is I, I really have been in businesses at some 21 years, it'll be coming up of running businesses, starting them. But I think in the last decade, I became a bit more self-aware to know that I'm a true entrepreneur founder uh, CEO, not an operating CEO. So that's a little weird background to start, but I, I basically became more self-aware about who I am and what I'm good at the last 10 years and mm -hmm. more uh, closely the last five years that I'm really good at starting businesses, building the culture, 
building the core founding team and then getting the hell out of the way because I'm an awful operator. And uh, so that that's who I am as a person. So I, everyone says serial entrepreneur. I hate that word. Um, I, I have, you know, multiple companies, but one vocation and it's building communities. And I, I'm going to give you a little um, shout out in that. Uh, if you don't follow Ryan on LinkedIn, the videos that you produce on a regular basis are, are fantastic. Dabs. Dabs. I just love the vibe and sort of the off the cuff. I feel like you say like, Hey man, roll the camera. And then you just have like thoughts just spin off your head. It's great. Yeah. Thanks for the shout out. And, and on Instagram, it's at Ryan Gill shares or Twitter or um, Facebook. It's Ryan Gill shares follow because, and why it's important. And, and for me, it's not a plug because it's actually most of it's embarrassing or some might think, why are you sharing that? Yeah. But the premise of Ryan Gill shares and why we started doing it about 18 months ago is very, very new is, um, I built many companies and had lots of success and lots of failures. Uh, and I, st- I, I chose to do this new startup communo in the marketplace business, which we're going to get to today and in the, in the advertise ad tech space. And, um, when I did it, I said, you know what? I, I, I love podcasts. I love watching, uh, content on social. Um, I think social can be great, but it's often waxing poetic about what mm-hmm. happened after they've been successful or they've been a failure. I was like, what if we could document the journey of the whole thing from, uh, the startup, the idea to fundraising, to building your company and, and then almost like a movie, play it back in a couple years, three years, um, uh, and then people can actually learn as we go. So it is off the cuff and it isn't scripted. It's, it's whatever we feel is important to show about that journey of uh, being an entrepreneur, which a lot of people don't show the good and the bad and the ugly. And, uh, you know, we only put out about 30 seconds a day or a minute a day. And then we do 10 minute vlogs on Monday. Mm-hmm. Dabs films for like 12 hours. If we can't get 30 seconds, we're pretty horrible. <laughs> so, so thanks for the kind uh, words, but Dabs makes magic out of 12 hours of film. He does. He does. So let's, let's jump into this. So we're, we want to talk about marketplaces today. Uh, tell us a little bit about Communo. It is more of a niche type of a marketplace. And then we'll start to yep. spin off into kind of like what you're seeing now in marketplaces and and move from there. Well, everyone that's listening, if you understand marketplaces and, and it, obviously HR and just talent, it goes like wide, narrow, wide, narrow. So Craigslist, one link on Craigslist was like bed and breakfast, uh, you know, homes for rent mm-hmm. and uh, Airbnb built a hundred billion dollar company out of one list of you know Craigslist back in the day, one niche. So and then it goes narrow, and then it goes wide again. You see like Freelancer.com or Upwork goes wide, and I think I'm betting on this that it's going niche again. So although what I'm building with Camino is for advertising, marketing professionals, and that includes digital, PR, everything that touched communications. It's a, it's a three, $35 billion industry when it comes to just the talent recruitment industry for this niche. So yeah, it's a small niche, but it's, it's fucking massive. And so we started it about a year and a half ago. Uh, I became, I stepped down from my other companies that I still own, but don't operate anymore. And, um, I took on the role about almost, so we started a year and a half ago, about a year ago, I took on the role of CEO and as a co-founder and we're building a marketplace. So people have real time access to vetted, the keywords vetted talent, which is a managed marketplace. So millions of small and large agencies and solo openers can grow by getting and giving work more profitably. And the, the genesis of it is uh, it, it all comes from the top down. Um, 
the client's projects are not one two-year projects anymore. They're one-month, six-month projects, and you can't possibly staff for that. It's impossible from a model perspective. So there's such a need for it, and we built it for ourselves to start with. And then, you know, but last year this time we had 100 users. Now we're over 40,000 users. So the market has told us it's a good idea. Holy shit, dude. 40,000 users. Damn. So the, the cool part, and I mean, this was really born out of your need through cult, right? To be able to to staff up and down quickly. Right. So instead of going and building FTE shops, it just made sense to be able to, to, to be more fluid with the project. So tell, tell us a little bit about that and how the platform started to come together. It's very important uh, point here. I'm glad you asked that. The FTE shop and the agency model isn't going away. And Communo is not a disruptor. We're an innovator. It's a layer on top. It's a new piece of operating like mm-hmm. QuickBooks would be, or like it's literally the plumbing. And so we're not going to displace the agencies. They're definitely going to get a lot smaller. And when Chris and I merged, so Chris bought my other company. I had a digital agency called Suitcase Interactive through late, really late 90s, early 2000s. And Chris Nealon, my co-founder and my other businesses, when we merged and he bought my company, his first thing he said to me is like, we were peanut butter and jam. He's like, we want to go from tons of employees down to as, as low as we can go as far as FTEs. And let's try this contingent. Uh, workforce model, which we manage on a spreadsheet uh-huh. back in the day and see if it can work and see if it affects our top line and our bottom line. Let's, let's do an experiment. And from so from day one, this is 2011, we operated like that and started to narrow down our uh, company, which was called Cult Collective. It still is. It's a marketing engagement firm that does work for Fortune 500 companies around North America. It's very successful and done well. But I would argue our biggest piece of uh, success and why it was successful was our operating model. That's not sexy right. until it is, right? And so people started asking questions. How are you doing that? How are you growing with such a nimble, small team? And we're like, we used to have hundred, you know, lots of people and we've narrowed it down, but we had a bench of contingent workers, gig workers that we knew were great and we could bring them in and they could uh, do a project and then we didn't have to fire them afterwards because they didn't work for us uh, they were moving on to someone else and we started coining the term portfolio careers and i think it became popular by someone else but chris and i said go out we don't we don't have a job for you for you know 1200 1500 hours for the year but we have like 300 hours go work for our competitors it's fine it's not a zero-sum game and uh not only did the talent love it that worked for us we loved it because it made us more profitable so our top line continued to grow and our bottom line uh, exploded because we didn't have this utilization problem that all agencies and most companies deal with when it comes to human capital. We're in the business in advertising and marketing that our product is people. We can't have products sitting on the shelf for six months and not being used. That causes a problem. So we solved it through. At the time, it was called The Collective. And now it's uh, morphed into the communal. The best startups and people that are listening are usually ones that are built for yourself to fulfill a need. And we did that. Yeah. Slack. Yeah, Slack. A constant, a constant criticism of, of platforms is, is sort of the race to the bottom in terms of wages. Um, how does Camino, you know, fight that? And what are sort of your thoughts on, you know, how Upwork and Fiverr and whatnot um, are really driving down the cost for a lot of professionals? Yeah, I, I have friends at Upwork and Fiverr and Freelancer, so I love them. So that's the uh, little asterisk beside what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate those platforms and I hate their model because 
as a creative myself, I started out as a writer. It is just literally a race to the bottom. I think they'll be around for a long time. There's always, there's always a need for the corner store or Walmart. That's what I think of them. And, uh, but I do think they're um, important. They're, I, Communa wouldn't be uh, where we are without them because they led the way. And I, like I said, there's great people there, but the model is just it, the actual people are the, they're like roadkill. Uh, it doesn't matter how cheap they get sold for. It doesn't matter. There's no real guidance on what people should be paid. They might say they do it, but proof is in the pudding. And the members that leave Upwork or Freelancer and come to Camino, the first thing they notice is, we don't have a job under $1,000. We don't allow the slider mm-hmm. under that number. That's just one of many things. We do not take commissions. We're a subscription-based model. So they can prepare and they can hopefully budget for what they're going to pay. A lot of them join Upwork or Freelancer because it's free. Great. Guess what? It's not free. It's expensive. Uh, so those are things that, again, I, I don't think they're bad people and I think they'll be around for a while. But if you're going to create a cult brand, which we're trying to create with Communo, you got to have some enemies and they're definitely my enemy. <laughs> you talk about vetting candidates and that, that seems like a real scaling issue to me. Uh, talk about that process at uh, Camino. Let's go back to startup um, economics. So they call it unit economics. So in a managed marketplace like ours, um, we have two different types of three different types of people on our platform. The very top of the funnel is what we call extended network. They join our platform for free or for marginal, a very small fee. And they, uh, are not vetted except for we ha- we run a thing to make sure they're not criminals, basically. And then anyone who's verified on our platform, uh, we definitely run the background check to make sure they're not nefarious or criminals. We have a scraping tool that checks their LinkedIn, their website, and it gives us a green, a green, red, yellow uh, light to say, should we vet these people deeper or are they good enough to be on the platform as verified that they are who they say they are? So you still buy them at your own risk. And then we have true vetted and they pay more money to be vetted. So obviously, again, extended network pays a little bit or nothing. Uh, Verified pays a little bit more, but vetted pays quite a bit Mm -hmm. compared to our other platforms. And the unit economics work to, and scaling, it doesn't, it doesn't affect our scaling because we can hire more people than other marketplaces Mm -hmm. to work on that onboarding to make sure they are who they say they are, but are they good? And one of our early um, taglines that was such a mistake that I'll share with your listeners was uh, one of our taglines was experts always. Mm-hmm. Seems like a great thing. Cool to say. Uh, I've been in the business 20 years. 80% of the work done in advertising, marketing, digital firms, PR firms is not done by the experts. 80% yeah. is done by the juniors, the intermediates. And that's just facts. And clients know that too. But those juniors and intermediates need to be good. And so um, we took that tagline off and we really started to say, hey, you want on our platform some juniors and experts because that's where 80% of the work gets done. You don't want to be paying $400 an hour for an expert unless you need them. We do have senior people on the platform and very strong uh ladies and gents. Um, but so back to your point, how, why we can vet them and spend so much time and so much manpower internally and have more FTEs on our team is because the unit economics work where the other companies, they need, just need, they need scale and they'll just let anyone on because they're taking commissions and we, we don't have that problem. So for clients who subscribe, and I mean, just from a marketplace standpoint, do you allow like the building of benches or, or portfolio, talent portfolios? Yep. So we, we uh, are adding the fee. It's not live yet. We're yet in, so I think it's next on a roadmap is adding of tribes. Mm-hmm. 
we've limited. We kind of make these tokens up in order to make sure we don't run out of people just to get everyone on the tribe. We So there's 70 right now, 70 dis- different disciplines on the platform. So you get 70 coins mm-hmm. almost like spent and, and you don't get them back unless they're relinquished to you from that person. If they leave the platform or something like that, you get it back. So you can have almost your entire agency virtual. You could have videographers, writers, art directors. And the cool part about the tribe is you can send direct work to them. But more importantly, community. We're not trying to build a transactional marketplace, although transactions and we've had millions and millions of dollars of transactions happen in a short time. It's more about that true uh, social connectedness and hopefully that tribe's uh, piece of our business uh, and our feature allows people to actually get to know each other. So when they need each other, and maybe it's not just for work, it's you know support or they have a question, they can either use some a video piece of our platform or they can send a message out to their tribe and know that ideologically those people have received their invite to be in their tribe and vice versa. So they can be a bit more vulnerable and ask for help when they need it or uh, you know scale up with, with speed because they trust them already. So we have a couple uh, toggles on our platform, which we should get you guys on to, to test it out. But when you post a job, you can either post it to the open market, you can post it to your tribe, or you can direct you can you can send it direct to a member that you already know. And the reason why people do it, uh, you know, disintermediation. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know that term. Uh, we don't care about disintermediation because it's a subscription business. We're not a commission business. So if they take it offline, good for them. We, we are trying to build in a loyalty program that we don't want them to do that, not because it, our model will be effective. We just want to track the online transactions and see what's happening it's from a data perspective. But um, hopefully I answered your question. Yeah. Well, and it seems like it'd be more efficient to manage it in the platform anyway. Ha- have everything right. set up your tribe and not have to work offline. You have everything in, in one platform. So yep. going back to, to, to the race to the bottom. Yes. So I, I would think that talent feels like they're on that race to the bottom and it doesn't feel good, right? So that damages a brand. So what would you tell a company? I mean, so we 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 actually uh, we um, met Justin. You brought Justin Genac yep. from working not working. Um, there's kind of like the the same scenario yep. where it's like, hey, look, you're coming here not for a race to the bottom. It seems like that's where companies would want to go. They'd want to come to Camino. They'd want to go to working not working because they want to build a brand that's not a throwaway brand, right? When you say brand, uh, yeah. So the difference too. Uh, shout out to Justin working not working. I'm a fan. Um, but our models are very different. Justin models yeah. great. They have they're open to clients. So when you talk about brands, building brands, uh, that would be more applicable to them. And 100. If Justin was here, he would say, "Yeah, that's what they're building." And kudos to them. And it's not a race to the bottom on their platform, which I love. I actually right. I actually just flew Justin in to speak at our summit. Uh, I think more CEOs, this is a total tangent, but stop thinking your competition is your enemy. They're actually part, you should be partners. And so I'm trying to build that bridge with Justin. We had him speak at our Camino Summit last week. Uh, but Justin's uh, platform, Working Now Working, is open to clients. So he, that question would apply more to him. So I can't answer that really. But mine is a closed marketplace, meaning it's only for agencies and marketers and solopreneurs or freelancers that do marketing type work or digital work. And so that's on them to figure out whoever their client is, what they're doing for them. We're just, we're the matchmaker and making sure they get the talent. And a hundred percent, we want it to be vetted talent and strong talent because 
they're going to either continue to come back to Communo because of that talent and we fulfill our promise. Um, but there isn't a race to the bottom because I think, again, ideologically, why we made it a closed marketplace, which potentially, I'm using air quotes, can make it smaller, but it's not, uh, is because people know what each other's worth. If a plumber comes to your house and you're a plumber and they're there for 15 minutes, they're like, $300, please. You know that the the handle was through, you know two hundred dollars and the the fee you know his hourly wage was a hundred or fifty dollars whatever it is in these open marketplaces like Upwork you got people that don't have a clue what a video is worth or what a what a writer's worth and so they just say yeah fifty bucks or a hundred bucks where in Camino the buyers are educated because they buy those services every day mm-hmm. and so to the plumber metaphor in our business it's like writers are buying from writers. And so they're they're not undercutting them, or truthfully, it's a it's a slap in the face. And so I really feel like we are a shield in front of the creative industry, saying let's let's just let the agencies continue to deal with clients, and they can set the prices, and then they come to our marketplace to get talent that's good at what they do, and everyone's getting paid fairly. I love that you mentioned mentioned plumbers, and and that sort of rolls into my next question, and that you see platforms not only in the in the digital space where you live but also on bricks and mortar or offline businesses as well, right? So we all know Uber is an obvious example, uh, but, but Chad yeah. and I on the show have talked about, you know, uh, restaurant platforms where you can, you know, have gig workers or freelancers come in and, and serve, you know, serve food or cook food, et cetera. Do you think the same rules that apply to a bricks and mortar sort of uh, gig platform or solopreneur platform are the same ones that sort of impact the digital or are there differences uh, between the two? I think they're similar. And, you know, the, the revenues are predicted to, you know, by 2022 to be for marketplaces in general, like 40 or $50 billion driven by the sharing economy. And um, I think the rules, so they're similar, but the rules are different that I think because it's, it's, it's like a real battle out there in the brick and mortar because it is dying a bit, right? I don't think it'll go away, but it's dying. So everyone's squeezing pretty tight. Where in the sharing economy or in these marketplaces like mine, everyone's coming in and it's in the name sharing. (laughs) So there's this real generosity and you get exposed pretty quick if you're not that in a platform like ours or others like it. And I think what's interesting from a philosophical standpoint, why marketplaces and from the digital perspective are growing so fast, I think it comes from the mindset they come in with sharing. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but I I, I think that's a really uh, macro way to look at it, that everyone's squeezing real tight in the brick and mortar. And so there is no collaboration. Everyone's trying to grab at things. And when you have a bunch of takers, things dry up pretty quick. Where in these other platforms where... We, you drive an Uber. I will. I literally refuse to take taxis now. I'm done. Yeah. I actually lost a client. It's they don't care, but I think also I don't blame them for not. They're, they're feeling the squeeze, so they're squeezing more, and and then they're looking for a tip or they're looking for this or that. You don't have cash on you. What the hell? It's like who the hell has cash on them? Yeah. You know those types of things, and so they're just squeezing real tight and guess who feels it? The end consumer. And so when the end consumer starts to not like it, they prefer a digital alternative. And so they choose the alternative. I'm glad that I'm glad that you brought that up as well, because you have, you have some pretty strong opinions on what a freelancer is and what a solopreneur is. And when you said, when you said, you know, uh, sort of the freelancer doesn't have sort of the buy-in that maybe a solopreneur uh, does talk about your, your difference of definition of those two and and why, you know, one fits in nicely and and maybe you're a 
economy and the other doesn't. Yeah, for communal alone, so this is my lexicon. Mm-hmm. We actually have three different markets for our three different types of members. We actually have five, but small to mid-sized agencies, everyone understands, and then enterprise agencies are the the two other of the five. But here's the three that I have de- delineation between. Gig workers, freelancers, and solopreneurs. Here's my definition. A gig worker is a craft person with full-time employment looking for supplemental income, maybe on nights or weekends. Cool. You know, our 500,000 users and members over the next few years, it's a small percentage that will be those types of people. They're good people. We want them on the platform, but we're not even going to charge them because they're not adding to the marketplace. Then there's freelancers. Freelancers, in my opinion are full-time independent contractors seeking to be fully billable via project-based work. Great. They're the next best thing. They're not the best, but they're they're just looking to sell 40 hours. They're probably going to work 60, but they're not business people. And they might get mad at me for this, but that's okay. They're really just employees working in a different uh, set of rules and their own time. Maybe they're still, se- they're still selling 40 hours and, and that's not bad. Some people are are yeah. fucking happy that way. That's great. Our core member. And I want to know who created solopreneurs because I feel like Chris or I, we were talking about using those words early on, but I want to find out to coin the term because it's awesome. Maybe you guys know, but in my opinion, they're full-time independent contractors, much like freelancers, very different than gig workers for sure, but much like freelancers, but they're building a business and seeking contingent workers as their framework. That is their model. They don't want another employee. They might have one, you know, EA or something like that, but their MO is to have no employees ever because they don't want that headache. And trust me, it's a headache. And, yeah. and it is, it is. But there's upside, upside too, where entrepreneurs yeah. do want employees. They, they are solopreneurs and they always will be that way. And that is our core uh, membership group. That's going to build, when we build, we're building about a $500 million business over the next five years. They make up for almost 300 million of our revenue because that is our core people. Why? And our investors ask us this and VCs that are uh, investing in us, why are they the most important? Because they're buyers and sellers, which is the greatest thing in the marketplace. Yes. You want to have those buyers and sellers. Yeah. Yeah. No question. So, so what does a marketplace look like in five years? We know that there's so much energy that's going into it now uh, and and people are still trying to figure it out. What does it look like in five years? Yeah, it's just accept, it's the accepted way of doing business. Um, when you ask that, and truthfully, I'm like, what what do you mean five years? People already think of it better. Like, and that's not a slam at you guys, even though I'd love to slam you. It's, <laughs> it, it's people think of it like that now. They just don't. It's starting to become uh, common verbiage and things like. But people understand. Amazon, which has been around for a while. People understand Uber. Um, the reason why service base has been so difficult to crack, and it's the trillion-dollar marketplace, it's going to be bigger than all these other ones, Yeah, is because it's trust, right? Uh, um, Uber, Uber did a bit of that. Amazon for sure did. But it's, it's more people. You're not buying products. And if we can... And this isn't a slam to my members, but if we can SKU skew our members, um, meaning we force them to verticalize, like to make sure that they are experts in something, they can do a lot of things. But why we push our members, even big agencies and small or solopreneurs to have one or two pieces of expertise on the platform is because as you guys know, browsing is over in a marketplace. Like you're not typing in marketing person. <laughs> you're typing in VR, right. a blockchain expert, or you're typing in logo designer for automobiles. Like 
It's crazy specific. Yeah. And so that's how people shop for people. (laughs) And so we're trying hard from a vision perspective. Part of my job, which we should probably get into is who will win in the marketplaces in the future. And and I'm not patting myself on the back, but it's going to be who has the best vision and can communicate it the best from a CEO perspective and, and defining that strategy and what you're trying to build and communicating it to your marketplace first and your staff. And then the the market. I think when I think about skewing people or skewing, it's not negative. It's actually a good thing because the marketplace is now going online, but they're not typing in, find me a marketing person or even a web person. They're typing, I need a mobile website for the travel industry. Who's going to win right. the person that puts mobile developer or the person that puts mobile developer that only does travel websites. Well, here's the thing though. Here's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. So, you know, as we start to get better at this, and when I say we, I'm, I'm saying the the agencies even more on the on the direct employer side of the house, we understand the platforms better. Now, I mean, you're working with agencies, I think, who um, from an adoption standpoint, from an understanding standpoint, they get it much more than direct employers. But on the direct employer side of the house, I think there's they're starting to get it that they need to be more specific. What what exactly do you need? You're right. You don't. You're not trying to do the job description thing. You're looking specifically what you need to fill a gap for a project. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's why membership and subscription models better too because it forces again. I think it's Nazim Talib that talks about uh, it's about anyways. It's about charging people for stuff. Right? They find more value in it, uh-huh. and so instantly when they're paying ninety nine bucks a month for their subscription, they're going to care more about their profile because their profile is going to really drive what the, it's like. Your the front door to your if you were talking brick and mortar, what, what does it look like? Mm-hmm. Do people understand what they're buying and uh, are you only going to get buyers to come in? And so the reason why the, our model works well is because they pay, they're going to take more care and attention into their profile, which then makes it easier for people to buy from them. And so it's this nice circle of, and then if more people buy from, from them, they invest more in that profile, which is basically their storefront. And uh, it's this, this good positive circle, positive feedback. Hey Ryan, most most of our, well, not most, but a lot of our listeners and I'm sure people on your platform are are younger. So let's say 35 yep. and younger. They've never really known a bad economy for the most part in their professional lives. Uh, everyone on this call is old enough to remember, you know, many recessions yep. throughout our lives and particularly a really bad one about 10 years ago. I am of the, I'm of the thought that uh, the next recession, the next downturn is going to expedite the growth of the, of the sort of gig economy, the platform yep. uh, worker. Um, are you of the same mindset? Like what what happens to Communo and other sites like yours when, when the economy goes to hell? Yeah, we're trying to get ahead of it. So we're a help rather than a, a fuck you, I told you so. Um, and what yeah. I mean by that is we're, we're seeding the, the community and our industry globally as we grow globally over the next 18 months. Even people that say no to us or they say they're in – we're telling them when a recession comes, when the downturn comes, don't fire your employees or lay them off. Gift them a membership. So we'll, at a discounted rate, we'll be ready to give them a bridge or an off-ramp onto something that they can start to um, use these platforms as a safety net. And then it does become a meritocracy and everyone, that word is hot right now. You're still going to have to be good. But it's gonna weed out the people that are really, you know, really willing to work. So if we're in a recession, it means there's also not a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So it's actually gonna it's gonna cut pretty both ways. So the, hopefully they offload them on the Camino for uh, a small fee, and they and they get, help them get you know land on their feet. And then it's on that 
person that's now on their own, but they don't have to be alone. They can join our community. And if they come in looking for true community rather than transaction, they'll succeed. If they come in looking just to get, which getting isn't bad, but it's the, it's the spirit of things. The, this overwhelming generosity on our platform helps our members know that they're not just in it to get, they should be in it to give. And it, it's kind of like a uh, positive reinforcement from the, the group. So I think it's coming and very soon, I think sooner than people think. And then secondly, um, there's going to be some winners and losers like everything. It, it's uh, it's going to be probably pretty sad still, I think. But platforms like ours will hopefully be a, a safety net for them to fall into. And then they're going to figure out they got to work their asses off just like they did at the agency or just like they did at the digital firm um, to stand out. Like Amazon's a great example. They're, in the early days, Amazon went around knocking on doors saying, yeah, have your brick and mortar. Cool. But you should probably open an Amazon store and a lot of them turn their nose up and now they're out of business a long time ago or they are heading out of business. Yeah. Um, it's the same with us. Like I hope these agencies expose their employees to our platform. So when the recession does come, they're not like, oh, what, what should I do? They're, they're, they know where they can go. Excellent, Ryan. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking time talking about marketplaces again, talking about Camino and, and also uh, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to come back sometime soon. Talk a little bit about the gathering coming up yeah. in February. We're, we're really geeked about that. It, if you guys let us back in, that is. Yeah, we're considering it. <laughs> we might build a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, nice, well, dude, if nice. uh, somebody wants to learn more about Communo, where yeah. can they go? Yeah. And so uh, if there's investors out there listening, we're closing a seed round right now. Um, and we're, then we're going into a series A round for 20 million, mm-hmm. about 18 months. We're closing our seed round now. So if you want to get in, you can go to Communo.com and go to the investor portion. For those uh, creatives and agencies out there listening, just Communo.com. And uh, also you can hit me up on social. Excellent. Yeah. Ryan Gill shares. Ryan Gill shares. Excellent, dude. We out. We out. See you, everyone. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.